Hello to you, documentary lovers. Dock me tonight, as Billy Squire might say when he felt like laying down to watch a documentary. Welcome to the Documenteers Podcast. The Cod the cod past the podcast about the love of documentaries we we watch documentaries then we review documentaries and then we hit those documentaries hard with our new Werner herzog rating system which i will get formally in writing very soon and today marks our baker's dozenth episode Stuart returns for this one and we discuss our very first kickstarter funded documentary nintendo quest by robert mccallum and this is probably the first kickstarter funded documentary i've ever seen and stewart provides a little education and some context behind how kickstarter movies truly are you also find out about something that stewart just loves to collect i'll send you his address later so you can send him all your popsicle sticks last week we discussed the laurent malachi malachi I think it might be Malachi. We've been fucking that name up. Sorry, Laurent. But last week we discussed the film American Jedi. And it's probably the first doc episode that we've gotten some contact and a little feedback from people who were actually involved in the movie. And it just shows that our podcast is growing. The application you are listening to us on needs you to give us five stars on it. We need you to say nice things about us onto it, and especially the iTunes, also known as Apple Podcasts. A lot of other podcast directories source through iTunes, so giving us a five-star review and a written, a brief written review saying, Bobby's great, or whatever you want to write. I have a confession to make. I don't listen to podcasts through iTunes, but I do have an iTunes. And the one thing that I do with that iTunes is I like a lot of podcasts. I'll go on my iTunes and to help out any podcast grow into the audience that's looking for them, I will give them five stars and I will review them. Something nice, something short. I do that to help out the podcast I like. And if you like this podcast, even a little bit, you should do that for us as well. Review us on everything. Be good. Don't be like us complaining about shit. Go out there and represent positivity on the internet. Don't do what we do when we criticize movies. But often we love the movies. We love. We truly love. As uh, many of you have been hearing, The Documenteers is in a bit of a partnership with a uh, an organization known as the Center for the Documentation of Documentaries. They take down data regarding documentaries and especially regarding discussions and reviews of documentaries and they do it for science probably heard uh me mention richard uh richard's the guy that sits and he wears a lab coat and he writes on uh on a clipboard and he's writing down things that we're saying he's actually uh writing down everything i'm saying right now richard would appear to be waving a folded note, trying to hand it to me. All right, Richard, let me grab that. All right, I guess I'll open it up and read it. Uh, it says, my name is Keith, not Richard. For real? I'm very sorry. I'm so bad with names. I mess up your name. I mess up Lawrence's name. Look, I'm sorry. Keith. Keith. 
Okay, Keith. Keith, I got to try to remember that. But in the future, when I'm recording, maybe don't. It's good you don't talk, but maybe don't pass any pieces of paper around or anything. Uh, all right, you're waving another note. All right. Nobody cares about these intros. All right, Keith. Let's uh, move on to the movie Nintendo Quest by Robert McCall. Now, here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. They started a quest to get all 678 original NES games in person within 30 days. with hats i mean it's just about dudes that wear hats it's a documentary uh, about country music and they're hunky yeah it's just men in country music and some hats are they hunky i can't see it from here are they hunky nashville it's all about nashville too man that's where we are yeah we should do a real nashville documentary what's with hats all right, you can turn that shit off now. <laughs> 82. It's also got an interview with Alan Jackson. That's a big part of it in Clint Black. It's mainly just those three. So I don't know how you don't want to watch this. We'll get to it. We just have to discuss another film right now. What's up, Docs? What's up, Docs? Welcome to yet another episode of Documenteers. Tears. The and Tears of Documentaries. With me here, Stuart. <laughs> Vaughn. Yes. Stuart, welcome to Shamco Studios. Yes. It's a pleasure, as always. Now, the movie we're talking about today, it's about that collector's mentality. It's about getting all of something you love the most. Yes. We can relate to that, right? Right. Like myself and uh, my family, we, we uh, collect popsicle sticks. Like used ones with... Mm-hmm. Well, you have to you have to use them to get to them. the the stick, the yeah. delicious stick. Do you build anything out of the sticks? Uh, well, you know, some members of my family have been known to build things out of them. It ruins the value if you. Yeah, I'm a I'm more of a purist. <laughs> what is something that I love? I all my life I've loved comic books, all kinds, from the old new old newspaper strips to. Your your big punch 'em ups today. Toilet paper comics. You have those? No uh, rolls of Tijuana Bibles. Those are great. Uh huh. Yes. You might recall at one point you've probably seen my basement when literally the walls were lined with boxes of comic books. I have a vague memory of that. It's been a while now because I've gotten I've managed to over time get rid of a lot of them. That must have been one of your drug parties. Drug parties. Drug parties. So now I'm down to about three, four shelves bookshelves of comics which is still a lot i remember once i wanted to get every chris claremont written x-men issue something like that you know and i came pretty pretty close but then i had to make some decisions in life at one point i had so many vhs tapes i remember that tons of bootlegs 
every John Waters movie, all the early ones. Eventually, I just gave them away. And at one point, I probably would have considered it crazy to give that away because these were my possessions, these things that I've been hoarding all my life. But when I finally was able to get rid of them, it was actually a very good feeling. I still have some of mine. You like records. Music is your thing. And, yeah, sticks and records, yeah. And movies. Okay, a little bit. I don't know why you're going talking about me so much. Well, you're, this is your... I should talk about me. You talk about well, you. Well, go on. Just talk about... It's true. What he said is true. Moving you, on. You have a nice record collection. That's something that you obsess over, right, is record. And Yeah. Would you be willing, <gasps> within the span of 30 days... Yes. ...go all over the country and get a first print of every sub-pop record that's ever been put out? No. Okay. Here on Documenteers, we are going to be discussing the film... Nintendo Quest, directed by Robert McCallum, who, for the rest of the movie, we'll call Rob. And you're going to be very familiar with Robert McCallum, because he's all up in his own movie, in a very Spurlockian way. Yes, this is a, this is a true Spurlock disciple. You know how I feel about Spurlocks. You love them. Yeah. He wrote a, uh, a thing, because there's been a lot of, lot of dudes getting taken to task for their inappropriate behavior in their histories. And Morgan Spurlock wrote some blog posts, a blog that looks like it's from 98, the font and everything. But he wrote about how he would sexually harass his old employees. I think he was trying to do a Dan Harmon where he's trying to sincerely get in front of it. I don't know. He did not accomplish it as well, I don't believe. But uh, where he was talking about how he cheated on his wives. Sorry to break your heart, but the lady he's married to and supersized me. Yes. I, I don't think he's with her anymore. He cheated on her. Well, that's and, what McDonald's uh, will do to you. And he writes all this shit down talking about how wrong he was to treat certain people the way he did. And then the last sentence, you could have pretty much like, it, it, it was almost like a politician wrote it. I've done enough talking. Now I'm ready to listen. What a sleaze. You know, and... We, as the documenteers, we're, we are ordained to judge. That's what a documenteer does. We are talking about these movies, and we are reviewing these movies. You may think from previous episodes, oh, these guys are judgy. But yes, we are. Yeah. That's true. You're right. Yeah. Good observation. We judgment you now as a good listener. We're not in the L.A. Hollywood machine. We're not right. worried about yeah. our careers getting buried. You know, I was in the Dollywood machine previously. Dolly, that's the only person who we're in the pocket of is Dolly. Yeah, you know, and uh, I never went to Weirdo Wood. I might. Weirdo Wood? Weirdo Wood. Holly Weird, I think. No, it's Weirdo Wood. Okay. (laughs) We're talking about this movie, Nintendo Quest, and Robert McCallum, Rob, he posits to his friend Jay. He says, Right. What if you hunted down all the North American licensed Nintendo games? 670 something what if you in 30 days traveled the country and got acquired every nintendo game out there and that includes the rarest of the rare ones if it isn't obviously apparent from my studies i didn't realize it's still the credits but i had suspicions watching this movie that it's a kickstarter movie this would be the first kickstarter funded documentary we've watched that may give you a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about here kickstarter documentaries by their very nature are sycophantic and kind of sure 
no shortage of talking heads uh, but i and most people i do not know these people i think they're all friends of rob and jay they're all a lot of the talking heads that that we first see are known video game impresarios media personalities all of them are also like kickstarter people like people that had kickstarters this movie is two years old now three years old yeah and we've and some of the things have come out after this movie these are kind of a kickstarter people they just all of them even the ones they interview there's a guy they interview who's supposed to create a video game because he had a kickstarter but he hasn't created it still so he's just um, even when they're interviewing him he hasn't created it. he's just a guy they know and the experts i guess you just have to have really loved nintendo to qualify to talk on they this do movie. at one point talk to actual video game judge right walter day walter day and we know walter day from a movie I think we're both very fond of, King of Kong. The King of Kong. The King of Kong. And yes. if you haven't seen King of Kong, it's not the movie we're talking about. Do yourself a favor. It's a good example of an homage to video games while actually taking you on a journey that's just more than just sucking its own dick. Right. What you want out of a documentary is something that's more than just sucking your own dick. Right. And we also meet Billy Mitchell, who was the the the. Uh, and if you notice. You know, he's in his element. He's in an arcade. Billy Mitchell, who's the star. Twin Galaxies, that famous arcade. He's he's the star of The King yeah. of Kong. He's the villain, you might say. Many might say, well, he was kind the of given a... maybe. The, or hero. <laughs> I guess it depends on your view. Yeah, it does. Now, that's that's the thing about what, what our subject matter. These are fervent, fervent. Now, now, you're not just talking about collectors. You're also talking about competitive collectors. And Billy Mitchell, also a barbecue sauce magnate. Don't right. forget that. Uh, yes. Uh, he's known for his many flavors. We meet Jay from London, Ontario. He's given this mission. Right. Let's, let's, yeah, let's get into that. Canada. That's why it's, everything seems a little off. On the surface, as far as the challenge of what Jay is trying to do, I'm not necessarily against it. I'm kind of on board. Okay, this is their plot. Can they accomplish it? All right, let's see if he actually pulls this off. Right. Now, coming from the land of Canada, a land of few challenges, of course they think they can do this. The land of few challenges? That's Canada, right? <laughs> Someone in the dock says Jay's into three things. Star Wars. Right, like you do. Video games. Mm -hmm. And rock and roll. And we see a clip of him wearing a Nintendo shirt. Right. Rocking on them drums. Now this is where we get the saving grace so far of this movie, right? And something is mentioned. I don't know if you recall this. Instantly took to my head, and they mentioned that he has chosen his hairstyle based on the Billy various Mitchell? hairstyles of Dave Grohl. Oh, Dave Grohl. Wait, he's really – I missed that. Yes, you missed that. Of course you did. He styles his hair on Dave by Dave Grohl? Having studied – documentaries as i have if you have a dave grohl mention in your film or in your podcast about documentaries you're going to well the gods of documentaries will smile upon you if you can somehow get dave grohl's to be in your movie then well i don't know then it's the sky's the limit really you could just do anything i think sorry to interrupt. i had to dig a little bit because i was looking for an original band that jay would have been in but all i could find and the name escapes me at the moment but his band is a Guns N' Roses cover band. That's good, yeah. So if you're in London, Ontario, and you need a 
Guns N' Roses cover band to play at your wedding or something, hit up Jay. This is an interesting quest, and it's the kind of quest that I might, I don't know, might, I don't know that I would ask a friend to do this. Actually, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big get. Hey, let's go get all the popsicle sticks uh, in 30 days. No, that's a lot. But Nintendo games, there's only how many? 678 official Nintendo release games in North America. That's a possible and achievable goal. Now, there's something else in this movie that we'll probably mention more right now than as we go through this film, where Rob kind of feels the need to kind of set up this half the movie is like a G4 special on the history of Nintendo. Right, which is awesome. And G4 isn't around anymore. It became another network, but it was used to be the video game channel, right? Yeah, I think it's now it's TV Land. It's like a 20 to 30 minute thing on the history of Nintendo that Rob is in front of the camera hosting with prop sets of like stacks of Nintendo games. Right. And I don't know about you now, this had a very TV quality to it. Kickstarter. As far as I'm concerned, now Angela and I have already discussed this because we watch a lot of like weird hour-long docu-dramas, maybe Investigation Discovery. And while on a base level, we might enjoy sitting through something like an hour-long ID special on Munchausen Moms. We know that this that stuff's probably not going to be making its way onto this podcast in terms of analyzing it in the ways of art. We we came to the conclusion that the best something like that could ever be is three because there's never there's very rarely anything like that that is going to take it up to the next level like the way something like a heavy metal parking lot or a Jim and Andy might do. Mm, I see. Half of this movie is just Rob talking about the history of Nintendo. Now, contextually, we have a job, we have a day job, where we know people who could probably just spitball this kind of stuff. Yeah. We have people in our lives that can just sit there and tell us all of this information. Yeah, weirdos. And I couldn't imagine that anyone who doesn't already know about the history of Nintendo, who maybe are not paying attention to it, that's not the audience that's even going to see a movie on Amazon Prime. This is free on Amazon Prime. It's a free movie on Amazon Prime. If you're looking, if you want to know about the history of Nintendo, then you would have sought it out. If you know nothing about Nintendo and you're looking for a documentary to watch and you see something called Nintendo Quest, you're likely not going to click on that because who cares? Yeah, or you're really bored and there's not many options on Amazon Prime and you end up watching it. Or you force your friends. Have you ever looked at the movies on Amazon Prime's free movies? I've probably seen some of the worst I, documentaries I've yeah, ever seen. I bet on. Nintendo Quest is probably pretty high up there as far as like a good choice to watch on that. I think there was a, on a sick day, I watched an insane amount of UFO docs. Yeah, so all to say, Amazon Prime is a garbage streaming service. <laughs> whoa, whoa, garbage whoa. People. Well, we got Prime, and we we like that free shipping, and there's plenty of reasons. That's why you get it. You get it for the free shipping. I, the streaming service is an afterthought. I watched the, uh, Man in the High Castle, the most bleak show out there right oh, now. God. Sorry. I apologize for what you've subjected yourself to. And I hope to someday help you out of your pit of despair. That he, Amazon Prime streaming service has put you in. There's a, a, a scene in that on that show where a main character trips acid and it still manages to be kind of dark in a way. <laughs> well, tripping acid, yeah, obviously that should never be dark. No, it shouldn't. I mean, it is for some people, but <laughs> I, you know, I had, I had fun. Let's not get into your drug parties again. Jay is using an app to track his purchases 
uh, Jay's mom, Jan, thinks that this will be a big deal in Jay's life. Those of you that have listened to previous episodes with me as your co-host know that this is a signifier. We get the first inklings that our heroes, whatever you want to say, one of our heroes has some kind of a mental disorder. <laughs> Not going to say that he does, but I'm going to say that he might. Rob takes Jay to an old clubhouse from their childhood. I'm not sure why. I think he's trying to add some context to this journey that they're going on. Right. Rob is kind of like Floyd to Jay as the test subject. He's like, what will happen if I put Jay in this tiny room with me in his face with a camera? And I'm sure this is very fascinating for the two people in the movie that had that childhood. Yeah. And were in that clubhouse. You know what, Stuart? This grinds my gears. Let me go off for a moment. Go ahead. When people, they want to drag their friends into something and put together something like, oh, I don't know, a movie or a podcast and have them discuss things that were created by other people and drone on and on and on, that stuff is so tired. Yeah, or like they might take them into a little room that's like clearly designed by children. Something like that. I get it. And their friends are forced to talk about on them. About nothing. Nothing, no nothing. Cares. Documentaries that people barely watch and wait. <laughs> Look, now everyone watches Nintendo Quest. I think this is probably the most watched documentary on Amazon Prime, if I had to guess. Wow. I mean, maybe Nintendo products are extremely popular. Did you have a Nintendo when you were a kid? You know, I had a Mario friend in Mario Brothers when I was a young child. There was something for me to connect to, but it's just also a lot of things that... You're getting emotional again. I I understand. Yeah, I know. But it was also a lot of things that, like, I did love as a child, but now I'm an adult and I'm kind of... It's not as important to me anymore. You're an adult man. There are things I love from my childhood that I still enjoy, but I'm just, and it's not that I don't even play video games. I enjoy video games. I understand. I collect popsicle sticks. (laughs) Remember, don't build anything with them that deducts their value. Correct. We get uh, some 8-bit animated histories of Nintendo. It's a little corny, but not necessarily unexpected in a documentary about Nintendo. Probably my favorite shitty thing in this movie are the the quotes from video games that are thrown in there oh yeah that's great <laughs> right how inspiring i was really inspired by that punch out quote <laughs> one thing i found out in my in my brief bit of side research is that jay did not count the nintendo games that he already owned mm-hmm. he started from zero scratch for my money, he could have just counted those games. Uh, and I don't think he'd gotten into this yet. A number of rules that must be followed in order to find the games, right? No, no online purchases. Right. You couldn't use the games you already had. Right. You could not message people online, right? Is that it? Was it something like that? There couldn't be. They, there was a lot of phone calls. There were a lot of phone calls and, and messages. Text. It seemed like they were maybe emailing people too. So they might have broke some of their rules. They couldn't buy online, but I think their communication was different. But but if they did communicate online, they would have to go physically to get or possibly mail. I think mail counted as well. Ooh, really? Wait, no, that would be the same thing. They didn't mail. I don't, I don't know if they, they ever got any. They never did any mail. mail. Very exciting. Jay starts going to people's houses he knows because this is just a friend's documentary about their friends, essentially. Right. He's going to the house and they buy games there. 
people are anticipating them. Everyone's wearing their finest video game themed shirt. You notice how clean and pressed all these video game shirts were? It looked like they just bought them the other day. Right, maybe with the Kickstarter money. A friend describes, and I thought this was very funny, and it's not verbatim, but one of the many talking heads of uh, people that we don't know because we're not personal friends with these people, and nor is it important. He describes Jay's journey as broadening horizons, and he makes some statement regarding to for this process to help him to be more acceptable. I thought that was a strange thing to say. This pursuit is going to make Jay more acceptable. It might have just been a weird thing a friend said, but you got to point out that Rob left it in this movie, that quote. So it's got to mean something that this is going to up Jay's acceptability to his peer groups to go and spend all this money. I think that's just more like bragging rights. I, I suppose so. But it might mean that Jay is some kind of shut-in weirdo that no one will talk to. <laughs> he has a few issues. He also manages a video game store. And there's a budget, too. I know um, Canada will often give grants to artistic projects. No, it's a Kickstarter. So they have the Kickstarter money and the Canadian grant money. We, probably. Ass we assume there's a Canadian grant money. The editing of this film. I watched this movie twice. After I watched it the first time, I was talking to Angela about it. And I was like, I think I'm going to do this movie for the podcast. You're welcome to watch it with me. I'm going to watch it again. And then she says, well, how long is this movie? And I was like, God, I think it's like a straight two hours. No, the movie's an hour and a half. It just felt like it was two hours. It feels longer. That's, you know, already, when a movie feels longer than it is, that means it's a bad movie. Now, Jay starts hitting some retail shops. He says he hates haggling, and he was probably a big pain in the ass for several people making less than $10 an hour. Yeah, I think a couple times he says, he goes to these video game stores to negotiate prices. On, he wants to buy a bunch. A couple times I think he was like, I was in there negotiating for an hour. Now, an hour in J-time, you imagine, is probably just 20 minutes. But still, that's a lot of time. We're very familiar with places that resell things like uh, records and video games and books. Yep. A lot of these environments, I don't find myself doing a lot of haggling. It's the, the price on it is either good or bad. I accept that or I don't. That's always, I guess that's always been my approach to these types of businesses. If I think the price you've stickered something is stupid, then I'm just not going to buy it. But I guess he has to start making some purchases. He wants right. to get the ball rolling. There's a talking head, and maybe I wrote this band name wrong. But he's cited as the lead singer of Kids vs. Noise. I was trying to look up that band. I found nothing. Maybe I wrote the wrong band name down. But again, these are just their friends. We don't know them unless you're in the London or Ontario area. Right. There's really uh, no reason to know. There's two Holy Grail games that they're looking for. Little Samson and... Stadium events. Right. Which, of course, any uh, anyone knows that. And there's a few more. There's like a Bonk's Adventure. The Last Starfighter. That's a big one when they find that. There's a lot of great games, we imagine. We don't see anyone playing video games really in this movie. It's more about getting the object. That's true. We don't see a lot of people sitting down to play. They go to the Toy Brothers AMC World Gaming. I think it's the biggest store in Canada. And he gets some uh, good stuff. They're heading to the States after that. And they're listening to 
either it's the mountain goats in their car or or a or someone who's trying to sound like the mountain goats yeah i couldn't quite place it who cares they, they also point out yeah i think that's uh, <laughs> something you could say a lot in regards to this movie there's a wacky races nintendo game i never knew mm -hmm. i probably would have been all about that yeah me too i love wacky racing he goes to a store in buffalo he says the people who run it are full of dicks. I guess they won't haggle. Well, that's yeah, that's actually kind of normal for Buffalo. From what I've been told, it's a city full of dicks. They're cold. They don't have time to haggle for your shit. The other thing is that uh, the city of Buffalo actually invented buffalo wings. So most of them are just like stuffed with buffalo wings. Any of them went on a, just, let's say, road trip to uh, uh, Rochester, New York, mm -hmm. which is a kind of you know, kind of a distant drive. But close enough they would have had a garbage plate which is the national food there and if you had a garbage plate and then ate wings and that was like your diet imagine how you'd feel maybe jay's being a little judgmental you probably wouldn't want to deal with the overly privileged canadian kid yeah that looks like dave Grohl. that guy in the store probably just chugged a quart of wing sauce he's just not he doesn't have the constitution to sit there and haggle over right we're shown a copy of stadium events mint in the box it's got a seventy-seven thousand dollar price tag an eBay page. That's what Kickstarter money has helped to fund is camera footage of internet web pages. Great John. One of the scenes in this movie, and I think it encompasses two or three scenes, that really made my eyes glaze over. He talks to this guy over the phone. His name is Josh Jones. He lives in Florida. He's a big time video game collector. He has a copy of Stadium Events. I don't think it's like a mint box. He's just looking for the the cartridges. Right. The most I can find it for sale ever is one thousand one hundred nineteen thirty and thirty two cents. There's one for three hundred fifty dollars, six hundred fifty. He apparently has a copy of Stadium Events, and he's looking for over four thousand for it. This encompasses maybe two or three right. scenes this, him talking to this yeah, guy. This is probably the best scene oh, in the movie. Watching Jay on the phone talk to this. Obviously, a cool guy at Florida. Were you just completely riveted by this? You know, I was just really sucked in. I was like, what's going to happen? I could tell Jay is frustrated. And given my previous notes on Jay and his possible hair, mental disorders, oh. and hair, I think he has anxiety. He's got something going on. He freaks out a lot. Jay is on the verge of a mental collapse. This Josh Jones guy, he wants Jay and Rob to come down to Florida and just make this handoff. Jay says he can't really afford it. He can make his way to Texas. God bless Texas. But I guess a Florida trip is a little out of the way. But Josh wants to be in this movie. And you get that vibe from everyone that they talk to. They're practically super excited to stumble over each other to get any bit of time in this Kickstarter movie. That... It's a Kickstarter movie. And let me just jump ahead to how this whole phone conversation ends. They make a deal. Jay thinks he has it. But then Josh calls back and he's worried because there's going to be a handoff. He's going to pay him later. He's going to give it to a friend. But they're having some conflict about that. And Josh is just trying to get him to come to Florida because he wants to be in the movie. Because this is, quote, the most important part of the film is this copy of Stadium Events. Right, because Josh is making the film now. He thinks he has it in the bag and then the whole deal goes under. All that phone conversation shit, it goes nowhere. As I watch this, I'm like, did any of that need to be in the movie? Let me ask you that question, Stuart. Did any of that need to be in the movie? No. Moving on. He's in Columbus, Ohio, finding some good deals. 
a dude drops in on a new batch of games. His name is JD Lowe. He gets word that I guess the Nintendo Quest crew is going, and he goes in and he swipes up a lot of games. JD badass mofo. He does later tell them to make the make him look out to be a big villain. But he also says that I'm just a collector trying to buy things as well. To me, you are the villains. JD has a copy of the Jetsons, and Jay at first says that he doesn't want to try to take his game. Jay kind of asserts this morality over over how to acquire these possessions. There's a right way and a wrong way to do things. Look, I'm going to agree with Jay here. There's a right way. There's a wrong way. If I'm trying to get a really rare popsicle stick, and there's somebody else there, and I can tell because I know because I want a popsicle stick. And if there's a guy and he wants a popsicle stick, and we both want popsicle sticks, hey, guess what? I get it. Have you ever gotten in a fist fight over some popsicle sticks? And that was because a guy was just, he just was eating a popsicle and he wanted, he just like threw the stick away in the trash. And I was just like, popsicle sticks. After day 11, they have over 400 games. We see a scene of Jay cleaning on the floor. Cleaning his games. Cleaning his games. Wondering about mm-hmm. all the people who had these games. And all the dirty hands that touched them. I get that. With popsicle sticks, I get that. Jay discusses the anxiety that he feels is growing. And he tells a story about how he was a big collector, but his dad was not very supportive of this. Now, we are criticizing the hell out of this movie. But the closest to maybe what I was hoping this movie would shoot for, this part comes the closest. At least Jay is putting something personal out there that at least explains why he has the compulsion to go out and collect this stuff. It's a personal story, and no matter where we go with this movie, I'm at least glad that he shared this. Right. Because the movie doesn't provide any more depth than this scene right here. But he discusses how his dad was not really into him collecting all the stuff he enjoyed. They didn't get along. and His dad apparently could not hold a job. One day, his dad says he feels weird. Jay says, no, you're faking it. And his dad literally drops dead. What? But Jay says that it made him feel free because his dad is literally the worst person he's ever known. (laughs) Wow. That is a strong statement. I I have someone in my head who I think is the worst person I've ever known. Kind of certain things that have happened that have led to that conclusion. uh, What this person has done to me and people that I've cared about over the years. I, I almost wish... He would expound on that story. I'm curious to take some right. inventory. What makes there's plenty of parents that are not supportive of nerdy endeavors. You know, uh, parents often have a plan for their kids, and kids often are they're their own people. They go another way. Yeah. But maybe, uh, but he knows his dad more than I do. Well, if he was a monster dick, he's probably a monster dick. Sometimes you get a dad. Sometimes you get a dud. These scenes are in uh, Jay's apartment. He gets back to uh, London, Ontario. He has a Jar Jar Binks life-size statue. Dude. I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah. Big Jar Jar Binks just right there. I wonder if it's ironic. I mean, he's a Star Wars fanatic. He points that out as well. I'm sure those are cheap. Uh, he had to. That had to have been the lowest cost. <laughs> I bet I can get a Jar Jar Binks statue. As we said, Rob intros these history of Nintendo stuff. Probably the closest I got to being vaguely interested was when he was talking about the Nintendo World Championship, and he talks to a guy 
named Mason Kramer, who was super pumped to be the, the Mario three champion. Do you remember that when you were a kid? Now, there wasn't a lot of money being thrown around in my family at that time. And I remember seeing the commercials for the Nintendo World Championships and just wishing beyond anything that I could go. But this thing was huge. And of course, the movie The Wizard, directed by Tom Holland, starring Fred Savage. Hells yeah. I used to love that movie. I don't know how many Clint Howards I would give it today, but I think a 10-year-old me would say that's a five Clint Howard movie. Day 19, he's at about 554 games. He's doing well. He goes to a store, I forget where he is at this point, maybe Detroit, but he's buying game boxes. They don't even have the games in them, and they're near mint. He's using the budget to buy these boxes, but he says it's, it's for the art. A guy who's an artist, his name is Mark Erickson. He was famous for uh, giving Mega Man a pistol on the cover of Mega Man 2 because he didn't know that Mega Man had an, an arm cannon, not a fucking pistol, bro. What? Well, <laughs> it wasn't just him. The art directors knew nothing of Mega Man's. Of Mega Man's. Mega Man's, as we all know, has a cannon arm that shoots cannonballs. And it's quoted that the boxes are disappearing. And that's true. This These boxes were just cardboard, very easy to tear. Uh, I know when I was a kid, the boxes I, were the least things I cared about. The art was often on the cartridge, and those boxes would just get smashed and squashed. Yeah, I'd take those boxes, smash them up, put them places under, ta- under tables, hold them up. Nintendo World Champion Mason Kramer makes it a point to say that if you got Nintendo games on a digital file on, com- on computer, computers, he's not impressed. Yeah, you're a piece of crap, according to this guy. I get it. The crew gets to Texas. God bless Texas. And they meet up with a guy named, and you mentioned this dude earlier. Yeah. It's a guy named Patrick Scott Patterson. Patrick Scott Patterson's the guy with the bag full of games. He's like, reach in the bag. Jay, see what you get. And he gives uh, Jay, oh, I don't think he gives it to him. I'm sure he sells it to him. Let's add for the tension here. He reaches in. Jay reaches in not once, not twice. Three times. Three times. Now, the first two times, he pulls out games he already has. Poor Jay. But the third time, he gets... Panic Restaurant. One of the rarest games. I think it's uh, top five in the rarest. Like everyone else in the movie, they have on an amazingly fresh-looking video game shirt. I'm guessing the Kickstarter budget... Well, all went these... to making sure everyone had well, no, no, was no, going no. to Hot Topic to buy a new Let video me just, game. Show. I'm going to get a little deeper into Kickstarter. So all of these guys have their own Kickstarter projects. Patrick Scott Patters, Patterman, uh, the guy we just talked about, he has his own Kickstarter, and his Kickstarter says, I'm going to try and get in this Kickstarter-funded movie. Here's my Kickstarter to get in the movie. I need the budget to buy rare games to give to this guy. And then all these guys, you know, like, oh, sure, that sounds good. And a new Pac-Man shirt. Yeah, exactly. So every subject, every interview subject has got that sweet Kickstarter cash coming in. You know, they're using that to fund their uh, gear. I want to point out that Miss Pac-Man is my all-time favorite video game. Well, of course. She's faster than Pac-Man. Yes. She's a woman of the world, out to go get it. Right, much like Beyonce. And it's probably one of the, it's one of the few arcade games I can play and I'll probably be there for more than five minutes. Exactly. You're going to be there all night, and the next night, the next day. That's it. You're just doing Miss Pac-Man. That's your life now. I get it. Rob points out that Jay says he has to go home early. It seems like he's starting to flake. Yeah, but, but can you blame him? 
uh, yeah, I'm starting to flake on my interest. <laughs> but they do eventually meet up with a guy named Todd Rogers, and that's the man that you mentioned earlier with the super ponytail. Right, which revitalizes Jay's excitement about video games. And this is the moment. Finally see Jay playing video games. Todd Rogers cool. is considered the first professional gamer, and he holds many world records in Nintendo titles. Right. He was hired by Nintendo to play video games. Todd is super excited to be hanging out with this crew. They're having fun shopping. He's not bored. They go to a storage unit in Houston that has to be temperature controlled. It's fucking Houston. A guy says that everything he has is for sale. And then when they ask about certain titles, he says, oh, I'm not selling that one. I'm not selling that one. Now, the sad thing about this guy is that he actually ended up losing all his games in the floods recently hit houston i actually was wondering about that yeah so fucking riveting scene folks you know if he'd had popsicle sticks those would have floated so he would have been fine but of course he didn't he had nintendo carts wouldn't the moisture on the sticks like cause the wood to kind of flail out kind of yeah you don't want to leave those sticks in the water for too long because they get waterlogged but a quick douse in the water is the moisture of a popsicle is fine exactly these are coated these are often coated in wax. Folks, you should really collect popsicle sticks, I'll tell you what. I never wanted to take your popsicle sticks when I go into your house and they're from floor to ceiling everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. But the more you wax poetic on these popsicle sticks, the more I just want to grab fistfuls of them <laughs> and take them from you. No. Don't say that out loud. Keep that's the kind of inner thoughts that that well the podcast by nature it, it elicits these inner thoughts that you keep in your head normally like you wouldn't say you wouldn't say that normally but I understand it's uh, the pressure of the podcast is bringing this out and I'm going to let that go but if you ever do take any of my sticks it's over now I hope you value the podcast more than my sticks. You're right, I do. It's important. What we do together is more than important to me than what we do apart. By day 26, Jay has acquired 606 Nintendo games. He's done pretty good so far. That's a lot. Is that, did you say 666? 606. Oh, good. Because that would be, you know. He goes to Bedford, Indiana and meets a guy named Todd Curtis. He has all of them. He even has the Nintendo World Championship cartridges, which aren't a part of the game. It just shows how fucking serious this dude is. Right. And from the minute Jay enters this room, he is riddled with anxiety. Even Bobby and I, the the mere novice gamers, like just a little bit interested in video games. We know a little yeah. bit. But we saw this this guy's video game room and we were impressed. It would be fun to hang out there for sure. Even I don't know if- about that. I'd go in there and I would feel weird because it is. I understand his anxiety. It's like all these games everywhere. They're all like, you almost don't want to touch them. It's kind of like when you come to see my popsicle sticks. I think it'd be great. Like sitting around and be like, yeah, let's play duck hunt. And then you feel a hand rubbing the small of your back. And you're cool with it. You're cool with it at first. But you just try to be polite. That's what it's like. Todd has... Two copies of stadium events, one in a box that is near mint, not quite, mm-hmm. and one that is just the cartridge. He's got two boxes. Two boxes? Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, this guy has all of it. There's some discussion between Jay and Rob and the producers, and they did this a couple of times in the movie where maybe they just want to compromise 
spend the rest of the budget on the rarest games. Stadium events, Little Samson, and Box Adventure. Don't worry about the other small games they have to dig through and find. Yeah. Because they say, for people watching, this is really all about that. Yeah, I mean, the Kickstarter, I imagine they're talking about their Kickstarter people. They want to see them get that. Now, as a viewer, I'm yelling at the TV, no, that's not the game. That's not the rules that you set out. You said you were going to get every North American licensed Nintendo game in 30 days. Yes, it is impressive that you would get Stadium Events or Little Samson, but that's not the game you set. That's not yeah. what got me invested. Rob is the game master. You He's can change in the rules. Now, the, these Kickstarter Nintendo fanatics, they might settle for that, but your movie, you put your movie out, it goes out into the world until it reaches guys like me. And I'm hooked into to your your competition. Right, it's not just the NES club, which apparently they're members of this. Yes. NES club. Not just the NES club's going to be watching this. You said you're going to get all the games in 30 days. That's what I'm hoping you're going to do. I, As much as uh, there are elements of this movie I'm criticizing, I legitimately want Jay to accomplish this goal. After that visit, they decide to move on and keep hunting one of the top 20 rare games called Chubby Cherub. I just wanted to say that. That just seemed fun. They go back to London, Ontario. We reached day 30. He's reached 650 games at this point. There's some very not intense last day footage. There's literally footage of him going into a store, looking at a cabinet, saying, I think I have all of these, and then leaving. Look, you got to understand, Kickstarter movies are garbage. I think this is my first one. I've uh, played some Kickstarter video games. Matt, here's a, here's a, here's a, here, imagine this. You're like, I'm gonna, I want to be a movie maker, man. Make a movie, man. How about I make a Kickstarter page? Oh, I got $40,000. I'll make a movie now. That's what we're talking about here. I think Rob did at least showcase an ability to do like a corny TV segment. That was great. He can probably legitimately get a job just from showing that off. Yeah. But as far as like... Uh, the other stuff, the quest. Anything up above the that? Part not is, really. It's just about the bros growing out, growing down, bro dogs. The challenge ends. He gets all but 25 games. He fails. He did fail. 30 days. You did not get the game. He didn't do it. But there's more to the movie. We see Jay again. He has the new haircut. And I was wondering if he teased out the top on purpose or if it just kind of naturally did that. That was cool. That kind of looks like a Well, hair- that was probably Dave Grohl's newest uh, haircut. He follows uh, Dave Grohl's fashion style. It was like the kind of haircut that so-called rockers would have in like 2003. Remember when it was like flailed out? Right. At well, the that's the back. thing about Canada. We're a little behind on the fashion. We are not from Canada. You're very what? You're very geographically confused. Uh, I thought we were living in a trailer park underneath the Canada. I'm just really confused by everything that's happened. I felt sometimes I felt like a Rob, and other times I felt like a Jay. What about you? I think I was a lot like these guys when I was 12 years old. <laughs> You're more of a Todd. You're a Todd. You've been through it. I've seen it. I've been there doing that. If I'm going to pick anyone, it's going to be Todd or Billy Mitchell. I'm just jealous of that long hair. I'm thinking about growing out a ponytail. You know, you'd be, you'd be the guy. Okay, imagine yourself in a documentary and someone's like, all right, hey, they're interviewing. And then they're like, does anybody here do this? And then they'd be like, oh, Bobby does. And then you'd come out of nowhere and be like, yep, I could do that. Yep. You'd be the guy in the background that knows it all. That sounds right. Like, like is if, there a doctor in the house? Like, is there somebody here that can play air guitar? 
and yeah. say, yeah, Bobby can. Yeah, he'd do it. So we're back with Jay, new yeah. haircut and all. Starts to talk about the Foo Fighters a lot. Right, great. I'm go- I'm there with that. And I notice, I don't think we see it until this point, but he has that FF Foo Fighters logo tattooed on his wrist. Good, yes. This is also the second of our episodes in, the, in a row where Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters have been mentioned. Right, yes. Uh, Dave Grohl is omnipresent in the world of documentary. This this movie goes beyond Heavy Metal Parking Lot. And even, you know, Heavy Metal Parking Lot had the good sense to say, how do, how are we going to relate to the modern documentary watcher? We should probably mention Dave Grohl's on the back of our DVD. That might get people to buy it. These guys knew that. <laughs> right. They knew, hey, we got to get a guy that looks like Dave Grohl because we're not going to get the real Dave Grohl. That's why that's why Jay's in this thing. And I could see years from now, Jay is more of a Todd in his later, in his twilight years, and they call him out, and he's the new, he's like the Dave Grohl for video games. They're like, okay, well, we got to get Jay Bennett on this. What is that his name? Jay Barnett? Jay Bartlett, I believe. We got to get Jay Bartlett on this. See what he has to say about Bonk's Adventure. We're talking about, the, you know, the video game Bonk's Adventure. In a documentary. Jay, after the competition was over, acquires the rest of the games but one. This is like the post shot. And Jay, on the way to a house, spoiler, they're going to Todd's house, the guy in Indiana that had everything. Todd. Jay tells a story. I guess this is a story that maybe will help the viewer understand why Jay is devoted to buying. You're getting emotional. I understand. I know. Getting tore up. I'm devoted to buying all these Nintendo games. He tells the story of Dave Grohl when he's like 15, going up to his mom. Yeah. Dave Grohl says, Mommy, Mommy, I'm dropping out of high school. And I'm going to go tour with these bands. And, and that's just what I want to do. And Jay points out that his mother says, you do that. You follow your dreams. <sighs> wow. That is, I guess, somehow... Jay's example of that story connecting with his story. Right. Because, you know, Dave Grohl's. I think a big difference is that Dave Grohl was making his own music and not someone else's. I mean, he loved music. I'm sure he collected it. Yeah. If Dave Grohl was like, hey, mom, I'm going to drop out of high school, travel the country and buy all these every video video game ever made up to this point. Would his mom have that same reaction? Probably not. Playing rock made uh, Dave Grohl a superstar and buying every Nintendo game is going to make you a hero to pretty much only everyone who contributed to the Kickstarter and all the people that are a talking head in this movie. Right. Well, you know, Kickstarter contributors kind of look at them as just all, all represent little moms that are Jay's moms. They're like, of course you should collect every video game. Jay has moms many moms mm-hmm. contributing to his Kickstarter and a real mom. And that mom said, I'm just happy he got out of the basement. Jay uh, agrees to buy, he buys both of Todd's copies of stadium events. Does he? Yeah. He buys them both the cartridge, a, a cartridge one and a box one. And Todd, Todd seems to get a little sentimental. He says he's happy. It's going to someone who would appreciate it. And Todd calls Jay f- buying this copy of stadium events. A grand finale to that quest. And then it says day 263 and then shows the final tally for the 678th game. But the quest was to get it within 30 days. He already failed that quest. Now Jay is just buying Nintendo games. 
So they had two Kickstarters for this documentary. One made 40000 and the other made 19000 That's plenty to buy all the Nintendo games. Or sixteen. You, you need to get some good deals, but yeah, I mean, after pretty tax, good. You know, yeah. Jay is now the only guy in Canada who owns a box copy of stadium events. We see the movie ending with him setting his super expensive games on his shelf, uh, most of which he will probably never play. But after the credits, it does show him playing stadium events. At the very least, I'm glad he's actually playing the damn thing instead of just keeping it on a shelf. If you're buying the things you love, you should love interacting with them, not staring at them. That's just me. What a quest and a journey we just went on. Well, you know that our friend Rob here is working on a new documentary about box art, a gaming documentary. There is some good art on uh, those old Nintendo covers, but God... That sounds even more boring than what uh, <laughs> what we just watched. Well, they've got just as many contributors that are kickstarting to prove you wrong. Good for them, man. Good for them. He also made a documentary about trying to find his mom. Ooh, Rob? It, yeah, it's called Missing Mom. I'd rather watch that. A Missing honest. Mom is a documentary that shows the search for Rob McCallum's mother. He's been missing for almost 25 years. Oh, it's McCallum. I think I called him McAllister at some point. Look, we're documenteers. Not, not name scribers. Not document emperors yeah that just what we say is bond but except when we are rating things we rate documentaries on a herzog scale one through five not star ratings give us five stars on itunes we'd appreciate that but otherwise it's a herzog scale only i'm going to rate mine one through five herzogs Stuart's going to rate his one through five herzogs and we will combine for the best herzogs out of ten Stuart. What did you think about this movie, Nintendo Quest, by Rob McCallum? Okay, so uh, the the history of the video games, you know, that part, as we said earlier, you know, at, at most we would be able to give that three stars. Or let's translate that to the Herzog scale, though. That would actually translate to two Herzogs for that part. Interesting, interesting. Now, if we offset, this is purely scientific now. If we offset that by the rest of the film, we can't really give it many Herzogs because that part of the film, I would say, is kind of a gray state level, let's say. For the accurate history of video games and box art and video game music, the mentions of Dave Grohl's. That's true. You got to give him one Herzog for a Dave Grohl. Right. And overall, I'm going to give this one Herzog. One Herzog which is a valiant effort because not every documentary gets a Herzog, as we've said before. I feel like this movie really missed an opportunity to kind of touch base on an emotional journey. Throughout our recap of this film, we talk about some issues like editing the egregious director inserting himself into it. Spurlocking. Spurlocking. The Nintendo history, as you mentioned, is probably just redundant to the the audience that will mostly watch this or contribute to the Kickstarter for it. But the closest thing we get to any real emotional, true emotional depth is when Jay is talking about his relationship with his father. The movie is just as straightforward. I'm going to try to find all of these Nintendo games. There's never a moment that's really questioning the self-purpose of it all. There's no existential analysis of their journey. Not saying that it has to be like that or that it should be like that, but I think a little bit of that would have gone a long way to 
bringing about more of the humanity in this kind of film. Because as it is, all the real emotional turns, the very few that are in here are ones that are just more told to you than uh, gracefully represented, as many good documentaries might do that. And so that just results in a movie that, frankly, is just not very deep and pretty shallow. The description of the movie is what exactly what the movie is. And sometimes on a documentary that I like, you'll read a description of the movie and then it takes you someplace maybe you didn't even expect. Right. And for me, this movie didn't even live up to a gray state in that regard. A gray state, I think, did a better job of that aspect than this movie. We may uh, have our different ways of looking at it, but I, I completely agree with your review. One out of five Herzogs. Wow. You, you give it one Herzog, I give it one Herzog. And I'm really only giving it one because I did appreciate the personal story that Jay told with his father. It's just too bad that more of that was not smartly expounded upon and maybe told in like a more philosophical way regarding the what they were doing in this film. And I wasn't opposed to their mission of finding these within 30 days, but they didn't accomplish the goal. And then at the end, he's just buying games, you know. Yeah. That makes it a total of two out of 10 Herzogs. Now, if you're just crazy fucking obsessed with Nintendo, you'll probably get something out of this movie. It's free on Amazon Prime. Right. Let's say, you know, you're ordering popsicle sticks off Amazon.com and it's waiting in the free shipping and, you know, you need something to watch like, until your popsicle sticks arrive. Maybe put this on in the background while you're looking at your other popsicle sticks. That's it. I wouldn't go any further than that. Don't actually watch the film. Put it on the background and maybe glance at the screen occasionally, and you might get a chuckle or two. But any in-depth involvement in this film is only going to lead to dissatisfaction. It's not going to surprise you in any way. But I could see, uh, you know, having it on the background and casually glancing over and being like, oh, that was kind of like Dave Grohl's. That's cool. And then going back to whatever you're doing or, you know, casually glancing over there and you're like, Oh, Mega Man's got a gun. That's cool. <laughs> oh, they made a Wacky Races game. That's cool. You know, that's about the most. But taking it like in, I would say if you've taken this movie up and maybe cut it down into 30 second segments and then uploaded it to a YouTube channel. Yes. I think everyone would have been a lot happier. The uh, history of Nintendo things could have been a web series. Yeah. By itself. Through five. This could have easily been an hour long documentary. Now. At the most. And just to show you that our rating system was accurate, what did our heroes, Jay and Rob, decide to do after making this documentary? They made another documentary about their documentary. They made a documentary about their documentary. Are you kidding me? It's called like Nintendo Quest Quest, and it's four hours long. You're kidding. No, it's all about them going around, showing the movie to people, and talking about Nintendo games with people. That sounds completely insufferable. I would watch it. <laughs> Actually, that sounds like a 4.5 hertz song, just without seeing it. Maybe give it 4.5. I did watch some clips online of uh, Jay talking to people. Maybe they were, that was probably uh, during the filming of Nintendo Quest Quest. Did mm-hmm. they get that kickstarted too? But it, Oh, it doesn't look like it, but it, there is also GoFundMe, which I haven't researched their GoFundMes. But if they've done Kickstarters, they probably know about GoFundMe. 
And aren't there other things now other than those two that's like just like a PayPal link? Maybe. They could probably do that. Go fund them. Go fund me. Right. Go fund who? <laughs> more like more like go go fund that guy. Go fund yourself. Yeah, it's like, why don't you, Mister? Hey, okay, that's about. A, let's. I feel like I've, we're being bullies now. We kind of are, but I mean, it's just about the. We're simply uh, reviewing what we see. That's Look, it. Look, we're documentaries. What we do is we watch documentaries, and then we we may shed a tear for them. And they're not all going to make the cut, you know. They can't all be the best documentary. We've got. We've already seen a lot of good ones. You know, years from now, when we've had our 15th Kickstarter of our own and we've entered movies into the hall of documentaries, the documenteers hall that we've built somewhere in the deeper Ozarks. I don't know. Somewhere. It'll be somewhere rural for sure. Kind of like that Noah's Ark Museum. Yeah, that's in Kentucky. We're going to get some kind of tax subsidy so that we can build this uh, documenteer hall. It'll be kind of like what everyone in the town is known for you know it'll be reggie down the road at the gas station and people be like you ever go to that documentaries hall and he'll be like no i've never been a documentary museum right here in nashville i think that is the end goal that would be cool but let's be honest we're probably gonna have to go to like cotton town or something cookville maybe but i think cookville is even a little high for us <laughs> i'm thinking cotton town they got a great brewery up by there cotton town as far as i know only has like one convenience store that sounds like where i grew up Okay, well, that's great. We can go there, too. I can get us in there. Maybe next to your grandma's house, maybe. Maybe. We can build a documenteer's hall. She's in a home now, so but maybe they would let us. Maybe the home people will let us. We got to talk to the home. I think I can talk my grandmother's nursing home into letting us post histories of the documentaries we, we, we talk about. That would be great. Something for the grandmas of the world. Yeah. That's really what our end goal is. Look, should your grandma watch this documentary? No. You know what your grandma can do instead in the same time it takes to watch this documentary? Watch Heavy Metal Parking Lot six times. Or watch that. Or you could have your grandma sew you a belt to house your popsicle sticks, your favorite sticks, (laughs) so that you could wear your sticks around with you. And people would be like, well, that's cool. Look at all your sticks. Hit us up at Documenteers on social networks that we got. We have like two. Uh, you can email at documenteerspodcast at gmail.com. And that was our review of Nintendo Quest by Rob McCallum. If anyone gets in your face, you say back to them, keep on docking. That's right. Keep on docking. Or the Nintendo, I don't know if Prince the right word for a cartridge game. Right, but. Prince had a game, I think, too, right? God bless Texas. 3D Prince. Was it Prince and the Revolution were in that? God bless Texas. Oh, my God. The, camera, the Michael picks up every, like, tap. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Well, here, I'm just clicking once more. God bless Texas. Ontario. We've had no problem starting a podcast. No. None at all. God bless Texas. We're, we're, we actually have a million dollars to run our podcast site. Wish that website is coming soon. God bless Texas. Did you bring me coffee? Yeah. I mean, I did. If you I don't did. want it, that's okay. Good. Okay. We're talking about that video game movie. God bless Texas. Oh, 
one you fell asleep to twice? God bless Texas. How many Herzogs would you give that movie? Two and a half. God bless Texas. 